This is episode number 47 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by a great guest named Kurt Anderson, the author of a fantastic 2017 book called Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire. But I want to set that interview up by talking about the big news of the weekend, which was the fact that Jeffrey Epstein, the uh, accused and presumed uh, child sex abuser who was awaiting a trial in a federal prison in New York uh, was found dead over the weekend. And it was allegedly a suicide, allegedly a hanging, which is, by the way, a difficult thing to fake. And if you do try to fake a hanging, uh, someone's going to find out about that uh, in pretty short order. But the death of Epstein uh, and the reaction to it has been extraordinary. Uh, It has been extraordinarily depressing. Uh, At times, it has been infuriating. Uh, A lot of conspiracy theories that have no basis in fact and that are totally nonsensical and for which there is no evidence have been circulating uh, all over the Internet, being promoted by some semi-serious people. Uh, Foremost among them is the president of the United States. But there's never been a president like President Trump. That is correct. There's no doubt about that. There's never been a president like Donald Trump. Correct. uh, Mostly for the worse, uh, because no other president would ever have even dreamed of doing what Donald Trump did uh, late yesterday, which was to retweet without any condemnation or, hey, this is baloney or this is hilarious, retweet the video of an unknown, uh, not not well-known comedian who was making a video theorizing that Epstein had been murdered somehow by Bill Clinton, former president of the United States, former friend of Donald Trump, man who Donald Trump actually invited along with his wife Hillary to his wedding to Melania. That's just the weird world we live in, folks. Correct. Uh, And so he's now essentially accusing to a worldwide audience – Millions and millions of people, uh, Bill Clinton, of having murdered somehow uh, Jeffrey Epstein in a federal prison, a federal prison that is run by Donald Trump's own Department of Justice. Correct. I mean, all of this, there's insane, and then there's this. You cannot be serious! This is beyond the pale. It is the worst thing that Donald Trump has ever done on Twitter. It might be the worst thing Donald Trump has ever done as president uh, for a variety of reasons I will get into as we move on. But I wanted to set up our interview 
uh, with Kurt Anderson because a, a lot of this does deal with the topics in his book. So let's get to that now. Kurt Anderson, an award-winning writer and a podcaster and author of the 2017 book Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, A 500-Year History. Welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Uh, Kurt, a lot of reasons why I wanted to talk to you, um, one of which was I, I was alerted that um, not only would I agree with a lot of your book, uh, Fantasy Fantasyland, but I was actually quoted in your book, uh, Fantasyland, so that's always that's always nice. And it turned out that I, I did agree with a lot of the book, and uh, and and, uh, but I didn't realize that we were going to be able to do so on a weekend when it was so obvious America was going haywire, uh, large, uh-huh. largely in reaction to the death of Jeffrey Epstein. Before we get into that, talk, give us the general thesis uh, of this book and how it relates to how uh, we ended up with Donald Trump. Right. Well, I uh, I started writing the book and actually finished the first draft before Donald Trump was even nominated. So just just to be clear, it's not as though Donald Trump came along and then I reverse engineered a history of America to make sense of that. I, it was something I was thinking about for a long time and, and trying to figure out how over my lifetime uh, so many Americans in so many ways seem to have, have uh, kind of uh, had developed such a weakness for the kind of excitingly untrue, whether that's, you know, uh, new age, kind of wacky new age alternative medicine kind of untrue things, whether it's extreme religions of other times, whether it's conspiracy theories, just this whole range of things that seem to me to have changed since I was a kid in the 60s and 70s. And and trying to figure out why that was true, I, I, I began, it began tracking back to the 60s and 70s and, 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 and the various kind of find your own truth, make up what you whatever you want, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth stuff of the 60s. But then I realized it went further and further back, and it's, it's, it's part of, you know, our, our, our exceptional, in every sense, religious uh, uh, history of, of, of America before it was the United States of the kind of P.T. Barnum entertainment uh, uh, tradition of, of, I don't care if it's true as long as it's entertaining, the, the kind of, uh, oh, the patent medicine history and all kinds of pseudoscience that, that were not unique to America, but certainly America, uh, they, they were developed to a fairly well in America, as well as the whole sort of uh, entertainment complex in America. So all of these things, it's really a history trying to tie together all of these long threads of, of, of the kind of American credulity and their sources and, and how they, 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 they came here. And, and really, and so Donald Trump appeared, at least in my telling, retelling of American history, as a kind of extraordinary poster boy for what I think has been developing for several hundred years. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't create it, but he's an extraordinary and I think kind of pathological symptom of where we've been heading and, and, and where, where for the last 50 years, really, since the, since the late 60s, since the 60s, and then, and then uh, given its own infrastructure uh, by the Internet in the 90s, that, where, where, where he was able to make use of all that and, and of, of, of politics, and especially presidential politics, being turned into a form of, of show business. 
he, he just came along and, and here we are. And, and, uh, you know, I, 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 my, my, <laughs> the closest I can get to hope is that we are, we are now at peak fantasy land and, and, uh, but, uh, peak fantasy land implies that we're then going to decline or, 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 or revert to some degree of normality. And, and sometimes, some days I wake up and think that's possible, and some days I wake up and think that's not. And as you mentioned, the Jeffrey Epstein uh, business this weekend, uh, as, as of course, understandably, as soon as he, his, his death was reported, the, 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 uh, in, in the kind of, in an America where uh, conspiracy theories have become the default way of thinking about the world, naturally a new flurry of, of, of uh, conspiracy theories you know, are, are swirling around us. Well, so did you have the same reaction that, that I did? I mean, I immediately thought about your book when I saw the reaction to Epstein's death, because you talk a lot about the history of conspiracy theories in this country. And now we've reached the point where a a conspiracy theory that is in my view, uh, currently, now I could change that if, if I got actual evidence, but currently totally nonsensical without evidence, is being promoted by the president of the United States in a way that implicates a former president in the murder uh, of a sex abuser, allegedly, I guess, to cover up his own sex crimes. And this is somewhat in the realm of normal. I mean, did, did, you, think, no. did you think the same thing I did? Precisely. No, and, 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 and furthermore, we kind of, or the world, kind of shrugged. Like, yeah, the president of the United States is accusing his predecessor of murdering a guy who was under my jurisdiction as a federal prisoner. Right. And we all just sort of shrug, either because we're so used to him, Donald Trump, uh, uh, trucking in, 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 in nuttiness of various times. I mean, let's not forget that he, his, his political career 10 years, 8 years ago began by, by being the celebrity promoter of the conspiracy theory that President Obama was, you know, not really a U.S. citizen, and there was this massive cover-up of the fact that he was a foreigner and all that. So this guy, you know, he, 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 he I mean, again, one of, even before he was president, before he was nominated, why I brought him into Fantasyland is because he has trucked in, in that kind of thinking uh, uh, from you know, but, but Kurt, but, but Kurt, let me let me pose this this uh, analysis at you. I actually, yeah. I, I and I think birtherism was an abomination. It should have disqualified him. It was absurd. Uh, it was it was uh, it, there was certainly a, at least a tinge of racism to it, if not more so. All mm-hmm. that is all I seed all that. What he did yesterday as president was yep. way worse. Way worse than birtherism. Do you agree with that? Well, I don't know about worse than birtherism. That there, there are different things, and but I, but I entirely agree with you that the president of the United States, and again, as president, he has he has uh, engaged in and promoted and retweeted uh, and, and uh, you know various kinds of preposterous conspiracy theories. But yes, this particular one is is. As you know, he never stops surprising us by going finding a next level, down or up, take your pick, uh, to go to. No, so this is this is an extraordinary new level for him. Absolutely. And, and to me, just to be clear, it's worse because one, he's president, 
as opposed yeah. to, to, to when he was not president. Uh, and in yeah. fact, during the campaign, he half-heartedly, uh, 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 you know, basically said the birtherism isn't true uh, for half a sentence yeah. and then, then, yeah. Yeah. then moved on because I guess he felt like he needed to do that. And let's be clear, while it was an outrageous allegation against Obama, it's not the same thing as accusing him of murder <laughs> to cover up his sex crimes. <laughs> That, that, that is true. But of course, I mean, you know, uh, people have been uh, 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 overwrought people uh, have been accusing Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and the Clinton machine of murders for 25 years. Uh, Trump is. But, but you're, you're right. They're just people. They're just, you know, uh, free and, 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 and of various kinds. They are not president of the United States. No, it is. It is. It is amazing. And of course, it is. You know, I mean, the fact that the, the, why he, he, he found, obviously, I mean, if we can analyze the president, found it irresistible, particularly irresistible, because who among us didn't see this happen and go, well, how the hell did that happen? Right. And, you know, this, you know, it it, 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 it it does not seem normal. Uh, so you don't have to be you don't have to be a nut in this instance to say, wow. I don't know. This, this sounds okay, this sounds but, to me. But Kurt, but that, hold on. But, that's, but that, but that is different than being the president and and going directly to a, a, a highly dubious and almost certainly untrue conspiracy theory. And, and I think you'll agree with this, though. This this is more than. Um, to me, the, the 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 suspicious nature of it, everyone gets. I get it. You just articulated yeah. it. But that, you know, what that means. You start asking questions. You don't exactly. come to nonsensical conclusions exactly. with no evidence. And and we went yesterday, the whole world, including the president, went to nonsensical conclusions with no evidence in a way went yep. away, and this is also important, which just happened to fit their own personal political agendas. A hundred percent. No, and it's one thing if the guy you know, you're playing softball with, or the guy at the gas station, or, they, or just some person is saying this stuff, as they will, as they inevitably will. But but to have the president engage in it is, is I mean, you know, jaw-dropping in a way that, you, you know, you, you, you would, we, we, we start to think <laughs> two and a half years into this, that like, oh, my jaw can't drop again. But here we go. It is. All right. So let's talk a little bit more broadly uh, getting back to your book, Fantasyland, uh, and how it leads to how this could possibly occur with the president of the United States doing this to the yeah. issue, to the issue of conspiracies, which I've already said you you deal with a lot in this book. And you know, to me, it's the the Epstein thing has a lot of uh, uh, it's very reminiscent to me of Jack Ruby uh, killing Lee Harvey Oswald uh, mm-hmm. in, in, because in, you know to your your gut reaction, and I wasn't alive at the time, but I, I became a an assassination buff like a lot of other people did. The gut reaction was, well, that can't be on the up and up. I mean, that looks like a, the silencing of uh, in part of a conspiracy. Well, when you look at the facts, though, as I have and and you know others have done, uh, you know the, the most likely scenario is that he was just trying to be a folk hero, killing the guy who killed uh, John F. Kennedy, and there was nothing else more to it. And and yet that that conspiracy theory ha- lingers and still lingers to this day. 
but it never impacted actual events or policy because those in charge never really gave it a lot of credibility, unlike right. today. And so I guess I'm wondering, can you take us through the, the, the timeline here of how conspiracies went from being underground to now to now being well, a, no, a part of the mainstream? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And, of course, when that happened, I mean, Kennedy and, and, and then Oswald were killed in 1963, the 60s were a time when, when, when the, the larger world, the mainstream, people other than the fringe, suddenly began to embrace uh, conspiracy theories. And, indeed, specifically in this country, especially, the, the, the suspiciousness that people felt about the, the Kennedy assassination and then Oswald's murder uh, fed that. Um, but, but together, as I say, I, I, I talk about the 60s, so, so that event happened, but then this, this, this larger change in, in, in the American discourse and way of thinking that why, maybe anything's possible, not only maybe anything's possible and things that whether it's being abducted by aliens or whatever thing that almost certainly didn't happen is possible, but but the the delegitimizing of the establishment of of you know the people who are in charge of investigations of the Warren Commission of of um, you know scholars and academics and experts in all kinds of fields suddenly like no what do you know what I believe is true is is just as true as what you think. And, and, and that became, uh, you know, really got traction starting in the 1960s and 70s and has never stopped. And so, so it, it, and it empowers, you know, people on the left as well as the right. That idea that what I, what I have a hunch is true, what I feel is true, it is true. Whether or not the fact bear it out, whether or not the, the actual people who know or who have investigated or who are experts, uh, have, 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 believe it to be the case. As you say with the Kennedy assassination and the Oswald murder, you know, once you look at the facts, I mean, you know, any, we're not saying, I, you know, the whole idea of the scientific method and of journalism and of truth, you know, looking for truth is you are open to facts, but, but you know, once the preponderance of evidence leads you in one direction, you, you say, oh, okay, my suspicion that this was a conspiracy isn't true, and it wasn't, you know, so, but, 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 but the, our kind of immunity um, to to the, the the fantastical and the untrue and the excitingly untrue, which conspiracy theories are, just really began weakening uh, a half century ago, and 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 here we are with a president who is as as uh, recklessly uh, uh, you know credulous as as the guy at the end of the bar, um, and and promoting that stuff to. Is all of us and the world, Kurt? How much do you blame? Because I, I blame a lot uh, of this on uh, the fragmentation of the news media, the explosion of the internet, the uh, the news media's need to placate economic and uh, corporate interests, diminishing their own credibility. To the, to the point where we go in the 70s and 80s from four television networks and a couple of newspapers dictating 
what the agenda is and what the truth is. And by the way, sometimes that wasn't always healthy because it was a too, right. too small a group of voices. But now we go from too small a group of voices to too large a group of voices, and there's no control over anything now. No, I'm with you. And, and, and when I say that in, in so many words or in that vicinity of things, I'm often uh, uh, accused by my liberal and friends, uh, who are most of my friends, frankly, uh, of, oh, but it was so much worse then when it was just the, you know, a few white guys decided everything. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I get that. I, I get, I mean, you know, it, it's, as with all things, there is a Goldilocks medium. But I, I, I entirely agree with you that, that uh, you know, if, if you look back at, at the bad old days, there was a real virtue in, 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 in uh, having, you know, trusted and, and legitimately trustworthy uh, mainstream media outlets that, that kept a lid on the nuttiness. Now, you know, and, 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 and somewhere between then and where we are now it is probably the Goldilocks, uh, uh, you know, medium. And, and we just, the pendulum uh, has, has, has swung crazily in this, as you say, this other direction of, of fractured um, uh, news media where, where, where things that aren't even in any real sense, news media, are considered the equal of anything else because they, they conform to one's own opinion. And that, that's, you know, we've gotten into a dangerous place where anything that conforms to your pre-existing opinions, you'll believe because it conforms to your opinions. It's, it's what, you know, psychologists call confirmation bias, and it, it, you can't, it always exists, but we now have a system, thanks to the Internet and cable television as well, that um, uh, give, it a, give it, you know, more power, I think, than it's ever had anywhere. Oh, I, without a doubt, uh, I see this all the time because, you know, I, I have a, a, a career where I have invested an enormous amount of time and effort into specific topics where I've become an expert and I've come up with the conclusions that are vastly different than the conventional wisdom. And what I have been shocked to find is that most people, they don't care that you know more than they do. They, they have their feelings and they're not going to let the facts get in the way. And Well, exa exactly. And, no, and, and the great, you know, I, I, I quote uh, in, in the book more than once, the great Daniel Moynihan, who began saying in the 1980s, you know, you were entitled to your own opinions, but not your own facts. And, and it was kind of a joke then, but he saw, I think, what was beginning to happen and accelerate then, which is, which is today people, I mean, they don't even get that, some of them. <laughs> As I've gone around talking about this book, they don't even get that because they think, well, what, what do you mean? I, I, you know, what, what's the difference between opinions and facts? You know, and, 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 and that difference, which seems obvious to me, um, uh, has, has really broken down. You mentioned the pendulum and, you know, pendulums normally tend to swing back and forth. And you've already alluded to this issue of whether or not the pendulum in this case is ever going to swing back in the other direction. And I don't want to overemphasize it because in a few weeks we'll probably mostly forget about it. But I believe that yesterday with Trump's reaction to Epstein's death really was a seminal moment in showing how unlikely it is that that pendulum is ever going to go back. I don't see the path for it, especially if he's reelected, because can you imagine? I mean, he's doing this 
while attempting to be reelected. Can you imagine a Donald Trump in, say, year three of a second term where he has zero accountability whatsoever? What we're going to see out of him uh, in the realm of conspiracy theories and, and what have you? Do you see where I'm heading with this? I, I do, and it's 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 the it's the the chills and dread that I wake up with every day, and 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 and, and, and fight back um, with you know by with glimmers of hope. No, it is you know uh, I, I I entirely agree with you, and 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 even you know I mean and then. I mean, and then I and I search for for the good side of that, which is like, well, even you know, but still, nobody really believes him. But if he, yeah, I agree with you. If, he, if he's reelected, not only will there any checks on him be removed, um, but I, I I feel like by re-ratifying that, by by fully ratifying his you know conspiracy theorist in chief uh, for another term. We we will have we will be saying at that point collectively like yeah nope there's no such thing as empirical reality whatever anybody wants to believe is fine and I hope my side wins you know yes I I, I agree that that and, and again I mean there's lots of ways to bases on which to uh, criticize or or loathe this president but aside from political agreements or disagreements or how we should handle immigration or what we should do about health care or all of those conventional specific areas of political discourse, this one, which is the subject of my book, obviously, is, is the one that, I, that, that gives me, that, that seems most uh, kind of existentially problematic. Because I think the other ones we can get back to, maybe, but this, this, once we once we no longer agree on the basic shape of the facts and reality, how do you how do you conduct a society? How do you conduct politics? You know, uh, so you, we, we talk all we want about oh, it's end of democracy or it's, it's authoritarian or or again specific political things that uh, might happen, but but this this seems to underlie it all as a problem, and I and I agree with you that. That um, you know, it's, it's one thing for a guy to say, "Oh, you know, Obama spied on me," or or or, or all the other uh, sort of conspiracy theory-ish things that he has uh, trotted out in, as president. But this is, <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, over a bridge too far. And and as you also say, if if it's okay with a majority of Americans. Or an electoral college majority of Americans, uh, then then I I uh, <laughs> I I will have lost hope. I think. Well, and and, and let me further express why I, I'm pessimistic. I mean, it wasn't just Trump yesterday. We saw a lot yeah. of members of of semi-respected members of the news media also jumping on crazy conspiracy theories that happened i i, I of course always in in line with their own political uh, agendas or or their personal preferences i mean no one ever comes to these conclusions against their own self-interest it's weird how that works um but yeah. uh but it, it wasn't just trump in fact i think in in some ways trump was reacting to all of the other conspiracy mongering that was out there. And here's why that happens now in this day and age. In the, in the old days, 
I don't think a media person, first of all, they wouldn't have had the medium. Twitter didn't exist. Um, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, and, and because Twitter exists now and they put out a crazy theory and guess what happens? They get 10,000 retweets and they think, they think, wow, that was really cool. That must, you know, I'm, I'm popular with these people. There's an adrenaline rush. They, they, uh, they get more followers. All the incentives now are perverse. And I think we're going to see those incentives be perverse in the 2020 election, where I think even media members who vehemently disagree with and dislike Donald Trump are going to uh, not so secretly, as the president himself has said, want him to be reelected. Because if he's not, it harms them personally because the media business is in such crisis and without him creating content and artificial interest and stimulus, they're going to be in big trouble. What do you think about that? Well, it's an argument that Donald Trump himself has made and makes repeatedly. Uh, you know, it, it is, I, I don't know how much conscious desire there will be for that. Although before he was uh, purged for a sexual misconduct, the head of CBS, Les Moonbase, course that you know i i don't know i don't may not i may or may not like donald trump but he's great for business or something right to, right to that effect and so so yes on 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 some on the parts of the ceos of media companies i i i have no doubt that there is a, there will be a conscious wish that may come into conflict with their personal wish as citizens but a, a, a wish like wow our business has never been better we need this guy but i I think I don't think I mean I, I don't think that is going to be a uh, a motivating factor for most people. Even the people, as you say, who like oh look I can retweet this and get that rush, which is which is in its individual way. Even though it may not be monetized, it's not like they're making money from as as you and I know from from Twitter uh, retweets. But but it is it is it is in each individual's way their own version of what happened starting, you know, really in the 1980s when, when, when uh, sort of the, 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 the maximization of, of eyeballs, revenue, all those purely commercial um, instincts and, and imperatives kind of began overwhelming the, the conventional and traditional journalistic values. And, 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 and that, has, that has been a real problem and I think has helped get us here. That that the, the kind of entertainment value, breaking news every thirty seconds on television, uh, as a result of wanting to keep everybody jazzed and excited by the news, I think when when, when as you as you're suggesting, when individuals see what they see the reaction they can get by by retweeting crazy conspiracy theories, it's they're, they're the it's the same dynamic, even though nobody's. Nobody's making money doing it. It is the same kind of well. A lot of media people are now, a lot of media people are now in it for the for the fame, to whatever extent there is fame for sure. for um, sure. and yeah. and attention. And you know that, that yeah. I mean, to me, I have very little respect for most media members because most media members do not get into that business having anything to do with the pursuit of the truth. They they're in it for uh, personal selfish 
reasons, and I think that the the incentives that I'm referring to uh, appeal to them a lot more than it would have, for instance, the the journalists of another of another era. And I, I think Kurt, and I, I mean, I, maybe I'm misinterpreting your. your response to my last inquiry, but I think you're kind of forgetting how much free publicity Donald Trump got during the 2016 Republican primary process, where even left-wing news media outlets like Morning Joe, which is now one of his biggest critics, were sucking up to him constantly because they knew he was good for business, he was good for the narrative, and I think you're also forgetting you know, 10 days out from the 2016 general election, the media had a choice on what to do with James Comey's press conference. Yep. They could have they could have put it in proper context or they could have gone bananas with it. Uh, and they just they chose to go bananas with it because they right. couldn't help themselves. And I think they inadvertently handed Donald Trump the election by overreacting to what was a non story 10 days before the election. And so, you know, if past is prologue, I think we're headed for the same thing again in 2020. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. And and but but I would say I I, I think in a bit of uh, to be fair I think in a lot of cases of, of 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 producers and editors and reporters making choices making those choices that for instance overreacting to the Comey thing it is it is it is some it is not as consciously. Cynical, I think. Oh, no, no, I'm not suggesting, again, I'm not suggesting a conspiracy. I, I, it's yeah. not even conscious. A lot yeah. of it's subconscious. Oh, then, I then, I, then I totally agree with you. But, and, and, it, and it is, you know, it, they, they do it, it, it is done in a way that it wouldn't have been done 30 years ago. Not because people are worse, but because this, this entirely commercial, competitive uh, sense of what journalism is all about, which is obviously that's always been part of journalism. But for a while, for, for most of my lifetime and much of the 20th century, there was this other set of values about, like, be correct, don't be fast, you know, all those things which have been thrown, been thrown out the window by, by the, 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 you know, the sort of uh, the market rules uh, over, overwhelming and eclipsing the the independent values that used to obtain in journalism. Taking this out of the, the, the micro and back into the macro, and my, my last question for you about your, your New York Times bestselling book, Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, a 500-year uh, history. How much of that 500-year history could be summed up by simply saying, over time, uh, for better or for worse, uh, through extreme democratization, if you will, uh, of our politics and our media, the inmates have have now taken over the asylum. Sure, it, it is. It, yes, uh, and 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 one of the things that was great about America and American democracy, culturally, politically, in every other way, was that we allowed the inmates. <laughs> the inmates were allowed more freedom than in other places, right? And, 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 oh, you can start your own religion. You know, you can, you know, go, go off to the next town and start a new religion. Oh, you can, you can do whatever you want. So uh, there, was, there, was a, there was an allowance for crazy beliefs and craziness of various kinds. And then, yes, I, I, that, that, that the, the sort of system of constraint where, the, 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 you know, the, the inmates were still on leashes, <laughs> if, to continue your metaphor, uh, 
the, the, basically they were let off the leash and took over the asylum. Yes, starting in the 50s and 70s. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, and that's why I don't see a reversal of the, the pendulum effect. I mean, how do you go back yeah. from that? Well, and what's interesting, what's interesting to me is, I mean, again, it's not unique to the United States, uh, but um, the, the question, too, is, is well, are we going to be able to move somewhere else? Uh, you know, is, it gonna, is, is, is Canada, say, going to remain more sane and normal? As, in fact, so far they have. It's an interesting experiment to me. About about to look at the United States versus Canada, since here we are, you know, what's the difference? But there are some big differences. So no, I I am, you know, uh, I, you know, I didn't end the book on an up note. I didn't have a, a a ten point program to to get back to sanity and rationality because you know my my all I can hope for is that it will not get worse than it is today. And and as of today. Uh, uh, given, as you as you're suggesting, this uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, madness from the president, uh, it doesn't make one hopeful. Well, Kurt, uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for writing the book, uh, Fantasyland. I, I highly encourage people to check it out. Thanks for quoting me in it, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. Thanks again to Kurt Anderson for his time and a very interesting interview, and I do suggest you check out the book. A couple more thoughts specifically on the Jeffrey Epstein situation. I wrote a column for Mediate, which we tweeted at our Individual One Pod Twitter handle that you should check out, uh, detailing exactly why uh, these conspiracy theories are nuts, at least currently, based upon what we currently know. I'm open to different interpretations if new evidence emerges or actual evidence emerges that goes against the uh, conventional storyline. But I go into pretty good detail about why this is absurd, why it's just, you know, frankly... It's just flat-out ridiculous. ...based upon the current factual record, why it's so damaging for Donald Trump to do what he did... And yet not that surprising because he has so desensitized us. And this desensitization, which I've referenced many times before, is only going to get worse. And can you imagine what it's going to be like, as I referenced in the interview with Kirk, in a second term with Donald Trump? A second term of Donald Trump in year three, uh, he will be tweeting uh, penis Photos. They won't be his own penis. Let's be clear. They'll be somebody else's penis, a much healthier penis than whatever his is, based upon the descriptions of uh, Stormy Daniels. For sure, it won't be his. Uh, But he'll be tweeting dick pics, uh, and we probably won't even barely notice. It'll be a half-hour conversation. Oh, the president tweeted a dick pic. I mean, that's where we're going with this. Now, there's no question that Trump is a conspiracy theorist. Correct. I mean, the whole birtherism thing was a conspiracy that made no sense after the first uh, facts came in. I mean, I realize that there are people who will disagree with me on that, but there's a, there's a birth notice in two different newspapers of Barack Obama in Hawaii newspapers at the time of his birth, okay? So right there, you need an awful lot of evidence to overcome the idea that Barack Obama was not born uh, in Hawaii. I do believe if there was any kind of conspiracy there, I believe that Obama purposely wanted the birtherism thing hanging because he thought it made his critics look like morons and whack jobs, uh, never thinking that it would actually pave a path 
for his his successor, uh, Donald Trump, because there's no question that birtherism was a huge part of how Donald Trump became a legitimate contender for the 2016 presidential election. To the nut job right wing base, which was much larger than I ever thought, and there's a racist angle to this. That gave Trump street cred. That showed him to be a fighter. That showed him to be somebody who really got it and who wasn't going to be cowed by the mainstream news media. And that's where he started with 20, 25% when he got in the race. Without birtherism, he's nowhere near that. And he's not taken seriously. And the news media, see, this all built on itself in 2016. If Trump doesn't come in at 20, 25%, then the news media has no excuse for continuing to give him free billions of dollars worth of free publicity. But that's what happened because he was at near the top of the polls almost instantly because it was there were so many candidates and because birtherism had given him this street cred. Now, all of a sudden, the news media has an excuse. Well, we're we're simply covering the front runner. That's not really what they're doing. They're, they're selling out because he's good for ratings and he's fun content and, and isn't all this fun because we all know he's not really going to win the nomination anyway. Oops. How did that turn out? Uh, you know, they played with fire and they got burned. And so birtherism is the key to how this whole thing happens. And so there's no question that fits with his mindset. But I don't think Donald Trump really believes that Bill Clinton had Jeffrey Epstein killed in a federal prison under the watch of Trump's own Department of Justice. That That is the part of this that indicates that maybe this is all a big joke on his own fans, on his, on his own Colt 45. I love the poorly educated. I mean, because not only is it nonsensical and absurd on its face, but the reality is it's an implication of his own Department of Justice, either as being part of this massive conspiracy or to be so incompetent that somehow Bill Clinton could pull this off and get away with it with no evidence. And as I detail in my column, there would be massive amounts of evidence. Now, maybe we'll find some of that. That's why there's going to be investigations. And I agree, Bill Barr is not the right guy to lead this investigation, but that's who the attorney general is. I mean, this is all a horrendous situation. My guess is that Epstein killed himself and was allowed to do so because of human incompetence. That is the Oxum's razor explanation for what happened here. I am more than willing to be convinced otherwise if actual evidence comes out. I will be surprised if it does. But the conspiracy mongering by the President of the United States is embarrassing. It is diminishing of this office. It is diminishing of this country to a worldwide audience. There are now millions of people across the world who probably now believe that Bill Clinton, that we live in a country where a former president could have a a prisoner in a federal prison killed as part of a cover-up for his own sex crimes. Come on, people. You cannot be serious. That's where we are now. And thanks. And Trump doesn't care. Because it's all a big joke to him. And and this is where part of me thinks this is all, or at least most of his motivation. This, it's all a big joke. He's like uh, Heath Ledger's Joker character in the Batman movies. It's all a game to him. See what he can get away with. He loves the chaos. It's a reality show. And, And that doesn't diminish the evil nature of it. In fact, 
in a weird way, it's worse. In a weird way, I would feel more comfortable if he actually thought this was real and was just a moron. Correct. And that this is this is real, true evil we're talking about because he doesn't care about the destruction, and the destruction is real. You don't see it today, but I go back to my analogy of infesting the house with termites. This is all going to collapse eventually, and it's because. It happened on Trump's watch, and Trump did it for his own amusement and for the roar of the crowd. I love the poorly educated. I, I mean, it, it's, it, it's just, to me, I got to tell you, what he did with that retweet in a rational world should have immediately been used by the Democrats in the House to say, okay, you know what? We were fooling around before we were wasting too much time with Robert Mueller, relying too much on him. There's plenty of reasons to impeach. And now this is the bridge too far. This is impeachment territory. You are accusing a former president of the United States of murder of a guy who was under your own Department of Justice's watch without a damn bit of evidence. I'm sorry. Our founders would have had no problem with a president being impeached for doing that. I, I mean, especially in an era where it's not like he said this to a friend. He said this to the world. And uh, there are enormous implications for that. Now, there are other things I want to mention in the short amount of time that, that we have left in this hour of the Individual One podcast. And this is going to surprise some people. Trump also, before the Epstein madness, got a lot of flack for his, tri- his trip to El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio, to, uh, I guess, console the victims of the mass shootings from the previous weekend. And I agree that they were a disaster. Uh, However, there's one element of this thing that I want to semi-defend Donald Trump on. There's a photograph uh, that is incredibly cringeworthy and indicates that there's something wrong with Donald Trump fundamentally and that he's missing a piece of his psyche. Yes, this is me defending him. (laughs) There's a photo of Trump and Melania with the baby of the two parents who died protecting the baby in the El Paso shooting. And in the photo, Melania is awkwardly holding the baby, who's all dressed up to the nines, even in a bow tie, to meet the president of the United States. And Trump has this incredibly awkward grin and is giving a thumbs up to the camera. While the aunt and uncle of the kid are kind of looking on like, is this really happening? Are we, are we, are we really doing this? Is, I mean, really? I mean, come on. You cannot be serious! And so I get why people have reacted to that photo in a very, very negative way. I mean, it is a bizarre photo. One of the strangest elements of the photo, by the way, is it was not taken by a member of the press. The press wasn't allowed there. That photo was released by Melania on her Instagram page. Now, maybe the most interesting thing to me is how did Melania think that was a good photo to release to the public? I, I, I am completely baffled by that. But that's my understanding of how the photo became public because it's a terrible photo. But it's not as bad as a lot of people have perceived it to be. Because you have to understand in Trump's distorted mindset what's going on. What I did not know when I first saw the photo is that the parents who died trying to protect their baby and apparently successfully doing so, 
They were Trump supporters. And so I'm sure that Trump knew this. I'm sure that's why the baby was brought back to the hospital to meet with Trump. And in Trump's mind, and remember, it's all about him, right? I mean, he's the most narcissistic person on the planet. Correct. So in his mind, this baby is being brought back to see him, and he's honoring the Trump-supporting parents who died saving the baby. In Trump's effed up mind, the only way to do that is by smiling and giving a thumbs up. That's what he's doing. He's reacting to that. He doesn't know how to react because he's not a normal human being. And so I don't think there was any kind of ill intent on Trump's part. In fact, in, in, his, in his distorted mind, this was the best way to literally give a thumbs up to the kid. Way to, you know, way to go, parents, for saving your kid or, or you know, way to go, kids, surviving this, this massacre. Also, by the way, and this is a little bit more uh, of a darker interpretation, um, you know, Trump, to Trump, the most important thing that can happen to somebody is to become a celebrity, right? Celebrity is the most important thing in the world. Well, this kid's becoming a bit of a celebrity, so in a, in a weird way, Trump is like giving the thumbs up to, hey, wow, this this kid's this kid's a star, you know, because he's got a hell of a story, and here I am uh, with the star. That's the way he would have reacted if 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 this was any kind of normal sort of celebrity you know, out of that came out of the news. So again, it's not a full throated defense of Donald Trump, but that photo has gotten so much negative reaction. I at least wanted to mention that, hey, you know what? Photos can sometimes be a little bit deceiving. What is not deceiving, though, is the fact that the President of the United States, and this has gotten very little attention in comparison to what it deserved, sided with North Korea because he got another love letter from Kim Jong-un when it came to military exercises from that are engaged in and have been for many years, with the South Korean government and the United States of America. Let me repeat that, because this needs to be clear. The President of the United States publicly condemned our own war games with South Korea because he got a love letter from the North Korean dictator. That's a real thing that happened. Correct. And, and it's not even the top five news stories of the weekend. That's that's where we are. You cannot be serious. I am. I am serious. We're better than that. No, no, no. This is who we are. This is who we are now. And to further prove that, the new story of tomorrow apparently is going to be, get this, Donald Trump is going to commute the sentence of the former governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. Now, if you don't know anything about the Blagojevich story, that might not seem like a big deal to you. Blagojevich, first of all, is a Democrat. He was a Democrat from Illinois, full-on Democrat. So how, how in the world this is something that conservatives would want to have happen, I have no idea. Blagojevich was convicted properly because there was a tape on tape of him selling, selling a U.S. Senate seat. To the highest bidder. Correct. I mean, this is this is not in question. This is not in question. He got convicted and sentenced, I think it was 18 years. He served, I believe, less than half that. And 
now apparently Trump wanted to pardon him. And based upon the most recent story I saw, he's now just going to commute his sentence, which for Blagojevich is basically the same thing. It doesn't expunge uh, it from his record, but it gets him out of prison. It also makes him an even bigger celebrity than he was. And by the way, back to celebrity, that's a huge part of the reason why this happened. Because you know how Trump and Blagojevich got to know each other? Blagojevich was a cast member of The Celebrity Apprentice. Correct. That's right. This is somebody who appeared on Donald Trump's freaking reality television show. Now getting his sentence commuted. A sentence where it's not where he he wasn't guilty. It's not like new evidence came forward indicating he was innocent. It's not like this was a ticky-tack violation that some judge gave him an obscene sentence for. No, no, no. This was as blatant uh, uh, corruption in government as you could possibly imagine. A government a governor selling a U.S. Senate seat. Selling a U.S. Senate seat. And now Trump, who campaigned on draining the swamp, correct, now says, nah, you know what? This, was, this sentence was too harsh. I'm going to commute his sentence. And my buddy from the Celebrity Apprentice uh, is going to be let out of jail. If that had been done, if that had been contemplated, if, if Barack Obama had a Democratic friend, I mean, or just forget about it, if it was Bogoyevich, because Bogoyevich was from uh, Obama's home state of Illinois. So, so if Barack Obama had ever even contemplated, if, if he had told a friend in confidence that he was thinking about commuting Bogoyevich's sentence, the right-wing media, the very same Trump sycophants, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Fox News Channel, all of them, they would be up in arms 24-7, hair on fire, heads exploding. Correct. As to, as to how utterly inappropriate and wrong this is. And yet there will be, I'm sure, mostly silence on this commutation. And this is consistent with how Trump has abused his pardon and commutation power. He did it with Dinesh D'Souza. He did it with the Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And can you imagine what it would be like in a second term? In a second term, the pardons and commutations would be so out of control as to completely destroy our justice system for generations to come. I truly believe that. And unfortunately, the chances of him getting a second term are still very legitimate. Uh, this week, uh, Joe Biden was once again the uh, the target of numerous attacks for his lack of wokeness, which has always been my concern for him getting the Democratic nomination, uh, since he is by far the person with the best chance to beat Donald Trump. I have no interest in Biden being president, but I want Trump defeated, and Biden's the best person to do that. The most ridiculous attack on Biden this week was when he made a, a very inarticulate and gaff-like statement regarding uh, poor kids. Now, listen to this and listen to the whole thing, because the media did not focus on the whole thing. They wanted to pretend that the statement you're about to hear ended with him saying white kids, as if that was the end of the comparison. He was juxtaposing poor kids to white kids as if 
white kids aren't poor, which, of course, is not true. But that's not what he said. Now, I'm not defending how articulate it was, but I'm talking about what the intention was. And here's the full statement for which Biden got attacked. And the other thing we should do is we should challenge these students. We should challenge students in these schools to have advanced placement programs in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids, wealthy kids, black kids, Asian kids. No, I really mean it, but think how we think about it. Now, he's getting applauded. That's another part of the context here. He's getting applauded. He's not working off teleprompter. He does not stop after white kids. Yet the media decided, well, you know what? We're going to pretend that he stopped after white kids. So we're going to somehow make this into a racial gaffe where he is comparing poor kids to white kids. He referenced there wasn't there was not a period at the end of white kids. It was a comma interrupted by applause. And then he added several other groups. There's nothing remotely racist there. In fact, if Donald Trump had said exactly the same thing with the same syntax, we'd be cheering him for saying the least racist thing he's ever said in his life. Correct. <laughs> and, yet, and yet Biden somehow gets a, gets attacked as being uh, not woke enough. And somehow this is a window into his soul that he's actually a racist when he was Barack Obama's vice president for eight freaking years. People, this cannot get this dumb. It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, really? We're better than that. Yeah, I wish we were, but we're not. And, you know, Biden has regained his control over the polls but as I referenced in the last episode of the Individual One podcast, the, the, uh, the ground is shifting in a way that in the long run, I think, is ominous for Biden. And specifically, that deals with Elizabeth Warren now having a pretty clear path to at least getting a head-to-head matchup with Biden, which I think would be very dangerous for him because she's more woke than he is. And while she's old, she's younger than him, and the media likes her more. And frankly, uh, part of the reason why the media likes her more is that Trump doesn't uh, get trounced by her. The polls are very clear that a Warren-Trump battle would be much closer than a Biden-Trump battle, and that's good for the news media. And I've said time and time again there's a very good chance that Trump beats Elizabeth Warren. But Elizabeth Warren is now edged ahead of Joe Biden, at least did this morning, in the betting uh, uh, websites, like Predict It, uh, where you know you put money based on a share, uh, and then the share prices for Elizabeth Warren are now, I think, a penny more expensive than Joe Biden when it comes to winning the Democratic presidential nomination. Now, that doesn't really mean much. Predict It is a I've dealt with predicted. They're kind of bogus. But you can sometimes tell trends based upon where the betting money is. The bottom line is that there are a lot of people now think she's going to win the nomination. Uh, It's nowhere near over 50 percent, but it's growing. And I can understand why it's growing because I can see that path. Well, Warren is very vulnerable against Trump, not just because of the Pocahontas thing, but because she's way, way more politically correct than Joe Biden. She's a a female liberal from Massachusetts, which plays right into Donald Trump's hands. Just this week, she tweeted about the anniversary of Ferguson, Ferguson, Missouri, uh, which was a total lie. The whole hands up, don't shoot, police officer killed Michael Brown. That was all debunked. It didn't happen. It was a lie. Barack Obama's own attorney general cleared the police officer. And yet here she is pretending that that 
bogus liberal PC narrative was true. She is a sitting duck for Donald Trump because political correctness is his superpower and she plays right into it. And liberals, unfortunately, and the media are uh, doing everything they can to make that a viable uh, scenario for a Warren Trump general election, which um, might be interesting, might be exciting, might be close, but it would not be good for the country in any way, shape or form. Uh, with that said, the uh, the percentages that we end each edition of the Individual One podcast uh, with have uh, gone mostly unchanged. I'm going to raise the percentage chances that uh, Trump does not finish his first term in office from 2% to 3% just because of the insanity of the past weekend. And, you know, it's possible that things might get just so insane uh, that there could actually be a real impeachment. Uh, by the way, supposedly there is a according to Jerry Nadler, the head of the Judiciary Committee in the House, an actual impeachment hearing or preliminary impeachment inquiry underway. I'm not that excited. I, I think that uh, he's basically like a, a castrated animal dancing around in a mating dance that everyone knows he's impotent and can't get the job done. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm still hopeful that Trump will be at least uh, symbolically impeached, even if he won't be removed from office. And the chances of um, him being reelected, I'm going to keep it 48%. And I frankly think that's being a little bit optimistic because of the Warren scenario that I just outlined. But that'll do it for episode number 47 uh, of the Individual One podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share this show via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One. That's Individual, the number one pod. Until next time, my name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network.